once again. Welcome back to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined again by Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. We got a great LSU baseball series to get into this week as they take care of Bama at home, taking the series two to one. Uh, if you ask any of us, we we might be inclined to say it should have been three to one and a sweep, but we'll discuss those particulars here shortly. Uh, a little bit of football news coming out of a, a Tiger Land or Tiger Camp, I should say, because t- Tiger Land's completely different. Um, someone's been assigned number seven. And we're going to find out who. Uh, and then also maybe some uh, some news on uh, former Tigers and what they're doing, and uh, anything else that comes up. But uh, before we we hop into all that, want to check in with you guys, see how you're doing. Um, you got a little bit of rain today, but it was. But it was nice before then. It looked like a great weekend at the box, man. I hope I'm hoping one of you is going to surprise me and say you're able to go to a game, even if it was the middle one. But uh, it looked like a great weekend for baseball. Yeah, it was definitely a great weekend for baseball. Um, weather's good, other than I mean, except for right now where it's pouring down rain, you can't even see past past your hand outside. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was you know, nice weather, uh, cool, breezy. Nothing, nothing really bad, you know, but like you said, I think you're right. I think most, I think all three of us would agree that um, would have uh, preferred to see him take three out of three instead of the two. Uh, but that's this team. We'll get into that. So, yeah, had a good weekend. Unfortunately, I was uh, out of town in North Louisiana. So I basically didn't have a chance to watch any of the games, uh, but I had a good weekend and uh, it's good to be back with y'all here and so I guess we can dive right into it and say the ups and downs of LSU baseball I did listen to one on the radio so that was kind of weird but that was it yeah I always like listening to radio though because there's so much more so many more descriptors you know Mm because they kind of have to describe visually like even with football they're going all right they're moving left to right it's like you know you just you don't talk about that (laughs) when you're at the game it's like hey look they're moving left to right you don't because you're not on radio uh but it's always interesting to get a baseball broadcast broadcast every now and then because a, they'll throw you a lot more facts uh, than you might know yourself, but also it's just, uh, you know, just the the jibber jabber between them too, because uh, you know these guys have to fill in all this airtime during a baseball game. But uh, just to ho- dive right in, as Daniel suggested, yeah, uh, I'm happy LSU took the series. I, I think we were confident that they would. They actually went three and one on the week though, because they had that uh, midweek game against La Tech, and I got to tell you. That looked like a fun game. Yeah, uh, you could say, "Oh, some some things were not going right for the Tigers that night." But uh, same with La Tech, and they were higher ranked, so it was great to get a, a win against them. But man, the bats were flying, the errors were all around the field, and I I don't think I've seen that many hit batsmen uh, <laughs> in one college game. But yeah, they had like they had two different guys where LSU scored a run because they got beaned like with the bases loaded. <laughs> right, that very often in two in the same game. Yeah, so that was crazy. Uh, they ended up winning. They actually came from behind to win that one, uh, but they won it 16-8 pretty convincingly. Uh, and then they got the series at Alabama. You know, that first one was pretty much a pitcher's duel. I mean, LSU came out winning 2-1 to one, uh, behind an amazing performance by Marceau. Uh, the guy from Bama had a great game, too, obviously. Uh, LSU just, man, they just they had just enough bats. So we're talking, like, you know, literally 1-1. Uh, skin of their teeth uh the second game kind of the same uh I, I think it was another it was a pretty decent well all right i'll walk that back a little bit it was it was an okay performance from uh Lavos. i mean he he gave up what i think uh three runs or five uh, yeah five runs but you know it was over a course of five innings i mean he, he could have done a lot worse uh lsu was still in the game too um 
It's crazy because they were looking like they were going to try and come back and win it in the ninth. Um, but they just came up a little bit short. And then uh, game three, pretty convincing win. Uh, I feel like they were – Alabama was – you know, looked like it was going to be another back-and-forth game. But uh, uh, I, I got to tell you, I didn't think I'd be saying this, but LSU won that one behind the bat of <laughs> uh, Gianni DiGiacomo, uh, his two homers, right? I mean, this guy hasn't hit one homer all season. I think he's hit one in his LSU career, and he hits two in one game. So it kind of propels him. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll start with you, Tommy, like just your overall thoughts of the game. I have mine, uh, but then they might align with you guys, but I'll let you go first. Uh, I mean, it's great to get the win, obviously, but I mean, did you see anything from, uh, from the Tigers this weekend that kind of make, kind of makes you think they're on an upswing or is it, you know, kind of like you said earlier, well, you know, it's just, these are our Tigers. Love yeah, them as I, we do. I just think this is, a, this is our team. Like, I think we've hit it. I think there's a ceiling. I think we hit it. I think that, we, uh, we, we've said it for the entire season, but we have a lot of talented bats. We've got some talented arms, but it's not a team that has, that meshes well together at this point. And I say at this point, like we've got a lot to go, but we've got one more sec series, uh, and then, a, you know, an sec tournament. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I've been, it, it's hard for me to get really, really excited about a, about the series win, against one of the bottom teams in the SEC when, again, we had a chance to win that that middle game. We, sh- we were up, you know, what, 3 nothing in the second inning and then yep. give up five unanswered or, or six unanswered. No, yeah, six unanswered. We don't, we don't uh, score any more runs until the ninth, right? So I just think that – I think that's just uh, – I don't know. Like I'm not, I just can't be that excited about a series win after, after that. And I think that that says a lot about kind of our performance um, as a team. And uh, well, it's, it's just this point. (laughs) I I see what you're saying. Like they have talent, but they're not a murderer's row lineup or anything where, well, it's not even, it's not even that they're not a murderer's row. Like you can, you can have a lot of success with a team. That's like, you know, a good team, not a great, I'm not, I'm not saying like you have to be the best team ever or you're a failure, but it's just that you can tell when a team meshes together to when a team, when, when a, when a team can, when an offense can, when a, when an offense can answer for, Oh, we, you know what? Our pitcher tonight, he's normally on. He doesn't have it tonight. Okay. We're going to step up. We're going to really, we, the bats are going to be on or vice versa. A pitcher, it, you know, can, can I is like, you know what I'm dealing tonight. And I don't know if the, I don't know if the bats are able to do it, but I'm, I'm just going to will it into exist. You know, I'm going to, but there no one scoring on me. And I know it's a lot easier said than done, but I, but I do think that you can, you can tell when teams are like that and you can tell when teams are not. And I think that some, that if you're going to be one of the top programs, top teams in the country, you're going to have to consistently play like that. And, um, and I just, I, I just think that we've seen throughout this entire season so many, so many uh, instances where it just doesn't seem like they're they're meshing, they're gelling together. You see what I'm saying, Scott? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I would say, I feel though, if if I'm going to step back and objectively look at the bigger picture, I think that they are better offensively, and. Like, I wouldn't say that, you know, they, this offense is finally where we 
wanted it to be. But mm -hmm. I mean, just looking at where they were, you know, a few weekend series ago, granted they have won four out of their last six weekend series, but you know, like they got swept twice by, by the two teams in Tennessee. And I, I think, um, I think Trey Morgan has been outstanding. He's been on a tear lately. Was he, he had like an eight or nine game hit, hit streak. I mean, he's, um, he's had multi-hit games consecutively. And now you're looking at other guys around him, like Gavin Dugas, he's kind of always been there, but now I feel like it's more consistent. Dylan Cruz has always been there, but I feel like he's just been on a tear lately. So I, I feel like the offense is, I don't know, in these, like that middle game, obviously we thought they could have won it, but um, I, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, that first game definitely could have gone either way, you know, depending yeah. on a few extra plays. And the third game, it wasn't until, well, I mean, it, it was out of hand, I'd say probably when it was eight to three, I think what was that fifth inning when uh, Giacomo hit his home run and kind of just kind of separated it and kind of blew it wide open. But until then, you know, you still, you didn't, you didn't really know. Um, but I, I feel like with LSU's pitching, um, I feel more confident that they could win maybe two out of three. And like I said before, you know, that's, that's really all you need in the postseason. Yeah. So. I just, I just, I don't know. I think it's just the discipline. I'm, I'm overall, there's a little bit of a, of a cloud over this season for me and you get the unfortunate, the unfortunate injury of, of Hill. And then, um, you know, just, just some, some bad beats with the, with losing to like Tennessee, like we talked about. And, you know, if a, a few things go, go your way, then maybe we're in a completely different, completely different situation. But I, I do think that I just don't think we can be, or I, I don't know. I personally am not, I, I agree that like that are, we have improved over the past, if you look at where we were a month and a half ago to now, it's definitely a better team. We're definitely mm -hmm. playing better. But I just I feel like as a as a when you when when <clears throat> when you're what people have called like the best program in college baseball, the best atmosphere, the best fans, the, you know, the box atmosphere, all that. I just don't think that you can you can rest on saying like, OK, well, we beat we beat the uh, the bottom three teams in the SEC. We, we uh, you know, we're, we're middle of the pack right now. That's great. We're peaking yeah. it. We're peaking when we happen to play the middle. When we happen to play the bottom of the pack. Right. Yeah. I mean, I see. What, I see what you're saying, but I guess you can't really say that they're going to be terrible and just get swept in the postseason until it happens. I, I see what you're coming. No, I'm from. not saying that. I'm not saying. I, I. I think they're capable of. This. There's. We've. We've said it before. There's so much talent on this team. I just don't. I. I don't like. It, it's like one of those things. Like you don't want to. You don't want to just like have to rely on it and just be like. Well, you know what? Anything could happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just saying like you want a, a better team more than a, a bad team. Uh, but I think they have the potential. And one of the, the key takeaways is, in my opinion, is that Landon Marceau is like an ace. He's only had oh, – yeah, he is. Like, he's only had one bad outing. I was looking at all his games. He only had one bad outing, which is against Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. And other than that, the most runs he's given up was four against Ole Miss. And so he's had a lot of – he's only, I think, nine and – or six and four in a win loss, but a lot of times the run support just hasn't been there. And that's kind of one of the recurring themes, but I would take him against pretty much anybody like in a one game situation, which is kind of what it comes down to a lot in the, uh, the playoffs. So I think we have an advantage there. Another thing is that like Maneri should have looked at Mikhail Hilliard, like 
a long time like, ago. Like a month ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we had some injuries and he's rotated him around, but uh, even like a midweek starter to he's been solid in his, I guess, three starts uh, in the SEC. Uh, so that's a, a bright spot. And then Labus is, he's had a little bit of a rough time recently for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I know he has. Um, but I always feel like he's at least good for like five innings. Uh, I mean, granted, he might, you know, give up five runs, but I don't think he's he's going to get completely rocked worse than that. Worse, not worse than, you know, Blake Money, that's for sure. But I would say as, as, as much as they have not, you know, fully reached the potential for the talent they have, I mean, they – I don't know. Would you say, though, like if, if uh, when Jaden Hill went down, and let's say they didn't find that third starter. And, you know, it's just been Johnny Holstaff for the third game. And it's like they they win some and they lose some. And, like, maybe they're not in a better position right now. You know, you people, you could probably say, well, maybe it's not all Paul's fault. You know, he lost his pitcher and that kind of just sunk us for a little bit. That might buy him time as to where now it's like now they're starting to, uh, you know, kind of make make a run for the playoffs. And you know, they could do really great and he could save his job or they could – get us all hyped up again and just fall flat right as a, you know, right at the SEC tournament or if they were to make that first regional somewhere. Are you about to say it's a little too little too late? Well, I was about to say, I just, I think I just had an insight as to why I'm, I'm at the point I'm at as far as thinking about this team. I don't want this little bit of success that we're having at the end of the season to be a recency bias when we, when we have to consider like the, when we have to consider moving, moving this program forward, I think I, I mean I don't know I I I think it might be time to move on from Maneri. Um, I think that there have been throughout this entire season there have been numerous uh, even even just stuff that Daniel like Daniel you were just talking about like Mikhail Hilliard where has he been? It's like wow I wish we would have known about him a little bit earlier you know all that kind of stuff. We were having trouble finding a third starter before Hill went down. Right, like that, that was something we were talking about when we were playing Oral Roberts. Yeah, like, they were rotating like Helmers and Edwards. We were playing every every single person on the team was pitching, you know, like, and so I, I just I don't know. I, I don't. What I don't want to happen is I don't want us to, like you said, and we've said it all. Before, we've all said it. There's a lot of talent on this team. We've got great bats. We got good pitching. We got an ace, like Daniel said, in Landon Marceau. We got a guy who is capable of pitching well in Labus. Again, he's had some trouble, like you said, Scott, but he's he's not a, he's not a, a schmuck. Um, all of that being said, you know, a lot of like talent can and 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 talent just like doing what it's capable of doing can cover up a lot of issues that might be there with with the management of the team itself. And I don't want us to forget that when don't forget about a month and a half ago or two months ago when everything was bad, we were getting swept and getting swept and getting beat and getting beat. And we were like, okay, this is, this is, it's, it's red. It's, you know, code red. Right. Now that we're about to kind of luck our way into a playoffs berth. Yeah. I mean, the first game counts the same as the last game, I guess to like go back into the perspective, because we were talking about, they pretty much had to get to 14 SEC wins. they're, They're at 11 which would mean they have to sweep Texas A&M. But I've been reading a lot of stuff online that they think the LSU is going to get in if they get I've 13. So the situation is win the series and you're in the playoffs. 
uh, or postseason playoffs. Yeah. Um, so you still got to take two out of three so, on the road. Yeah. On the road. So we'll see what Maneri's strategy is to try and lock down <laughs> at least two. He'll probably be like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to pitch, uh, we're going to pitch Labus first. Well, I mean, does he put Labus and Hilliard together in one game to try and like make sure like, like oh. throw Marceau the first game and pitch the other two, the second game. I uh, think, I think you pitch, you pitch Marceau on the first game, see what happens. Then, and then if you, and then like, do you just throw every single person available to try? Like if you have a, depends on what happens that first game. If Um, if you win that first game, then you kind of play it by ear. But if you lose that first game, then yeah, you got it. You throw, you throw whoever you, you got to throw. If if they go one and, I was gonna say, if they go one and two or oh and three, then it might be the the end for the Tigers, which is disappointing. I think if you lose, I think if we lose whatever game Marceau pitches, if we lose that game, then it's over. I don't feel confident in us taking two when we don't have our ace pitching. Yeah, I see that. Well, uh, you said something, Daniel, that kind of made me think when you said, quote unquote, uh, Paul Maneri's strategy. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking, yeah, what? What is it? Is that a rhetorical yeah. question? <laughs> it, right. Because if you look at what LSU baseball has done recently, like they've won seven of their last nine. Okay. Uh Giacomo was five for nine in the Alabama series. I really think he helped us at the right time. You know, these guys that are kind of been teetering and not really doing anything in these games where we've needed a clutch hit. You know, he did great. Uh, then you look at uh, Trey Morgan, 10-game hitting streak. I think I said eight or nine. He's on a 10-game streak uh, before tomorrow's, tomorrow's game against Northwestern State. Uh, Drew Bianco, he's reached base 15 straight games. Third baseman K Doty has reached base in 14 consecutive games. Like all that stuff is great. And I think that's what the players can take credit for. Uh, maybe the hitting coach, but I was like, I don't know where pulmonary's fingerprint is on that. Cause you say, what's his strategy. And like Tommy's, I guess, alluding to is, yeah, we look better. We look like we're making a run to the postseason. but where are we going to be in a, in a regional or a super regional where it's a tight game and you know, it's basically going to come down to strategy and you got a, a bases loaded and Paul Maneri wants to bunt instead of hit or hit instead of bunt, something like that. Or he leaves a pitcher in for one out too long. You know, it's like, that's where I think, uh, I think that's what you're worried about timing. Mean, we just, we just, it's, yeah, around. it's all of that. It's, it's the, it's the fact that, you know, imagine, let's just, let's just talk about, and this is everybody, this is everybody's favorite example. Cause it's just the best example. Like compare the way this baseball team has been managed and the, the way and the success of this baseball team or the lack thereof compared to the 2019 championship football team. Like there was never a question after, after watching maybe four games, there was never a question in my mind, whether, you know, whether they were going to make the right decision about, okay, like what's Burrow doing here? Are we going to hate who's got, who's going to get the ball here? Are we throwing to this person? There was never a question of like, man, I I don't know if I can trust Jamar chase to catch the ball today. (laughs) Like you see what I'm saying? And, and I I know it's a different sport and everything like that, but there, but there are decisions that are made at the coaching level that say, you know, for instance, um, for a while, uh, you know, Stingley was, was, that was, receive it was taking punts at the beginning of the season and he was trying to trying to break one off he was he was and then towards the end of the season after he had that fumble against i think it was auburn yeah right auburn yeah they basically said they basically shut him down they said look we've got the best offense in the country take fair catch it just can just catch the ball we'll take it from here because they were and that was an adjustment made 
after looking at what's the tr- the past, looking at what we have in the future and saying, this is what we have that's working. This is what we have that's not working. Hey, Derek, just catch the ball. It's fine. Yeah. And it's not because he's not capable of take, going off, right? We all know that. He's, he's one of the fastest players in the country. He's shifty, all that. But it's that they made the coaches made an adjustment. And I don't see that. I don't see really any adjustments being made. I think that uh, I think that basically we at the beginning of the season we had nine guys, nine guys go out there and play. What happens happens. If injuries happen, then you put a new guy in for that guy who got injured. Now we got nine more. You see what I'm saying? Like, and and I don't. I just don't see any any. What's the value add, right? It's. Like, I mean, I think I could make a. I could make a lineup and send them out sure. there. And, yeah. and then once, once, if a guy gets rocked pitching, then I could go out there. I could, you know, tap my wrist and say, okay, Hey, you come, you warm up, you come out here, but I'd like to see a guy who's been in, who's you know been in baseball for 30 years to be able to say, okay, Hey, you know what? I've been around this before and you know what this guy. And I, again, like I, I'm not an, I'm not the expert. I'm not the coach. But I've been around and I've been around similar situations long enough to be able to say like, okay, there's sometimes when coaches can just can just tell like, you know what, he's he's like Mikhail Hilliard. He's not a starter. He's not a starter right now, but at this moment we need him to be, and I think he can do it. And I've seen it in practice. I've seen it when we played in the fall, and we're going to put him in there or something like that or. You know what, Helmers? I like him a lot. He's got a lot of talent. We recruited him, but it's just not. This year is not his time. We're gonna we're gonna move we're gonna move to something else. Like we're gonna try and find a place for him. And it's that it's that moving those pieces around, and and that's I mean that's managing a baseball team. And it's it's one of the hardest. I think it's probably one of the hardest coaching jobs you have to do because baseball is just such a different sport. But it's a very important thing. And mm-hmm. you, you know, and you'll hear about it in Major League Baseball some of the. the I think there's a, there's a reason why they call a baseball coach, a manager and not just a coach. It's a, it is a management position as much as it is a, you know, okay, let me teach you how to throw hit the, throw the ball, hit the, hit the ball. It's, it's a, it's a chess match. And I just don't see us moving any pieces on the board. <laughs> right. Uh, Paul, Paul Maneri is not necessarily Gary Kasparov as far <laughs> as baseball coaching goes. I don't know. I feel like he's uh I mean, he's definitely, you know, like you said, been in baseball a long time. I feel like maybe he's fallen in back into the less miles approach to, to coaching. And that's, you know, recruit well and just let you, let your talent win it for you. Yes. You know, it's like if you'd have seen a little bit of inkling for miles to change his offense earlier, things might've changed earlier. You know, it's uh, and you know, same with Maneri, although he did tinker with the lineup this week. Uh, I think, I know he put, he changed somebody after like the second inning. I don't know if it was the La Tech game or the first Alabama game, but he did tinker with the lineup, which is something. And just going back to what you guys were saying about pitching, like if they, like, let's say they win first game against AM and and they're in the second game and, you know, Labas is starting to get into trouble in the sixth inning, but LSU has like, I don't know, let's say they got a three run lead. Um, I don't know. Is it, is it worth it to try and save the series? Like what you said, if you bring in your hottest pitcher, I would say Mikel Hilliard, but I don't, I don't think he would be that bold. I've seen it done before in the playoffs. Definitely. Just because pitchers don't want to, they want to end this game and get out of the series or the managers do. They want to end this game and get out of the series. They don't have to go to a game three. 
yeah. you know, to, to, or they don't have to rely on game three. And so they do it. It's a little bit different if you know you're going to play that third game, but still, you're just trying to win the series at this point. Or uh, someone else that they've had really uh, good success with lately, uh, Javen Coleman. He did really well against Alabama when he came in, actually. So I think Paul Maneri, you know, as the season's gone on, where's, where's, you know, where's, where's, where's Hilliard been? I, maybe he's been there the whole time and Maneri didn't realize what he had, or maybe just it took him, you know, half a season to kind of get back into to form, like when they first recruited him. I don't know. Uh, but I think with that and Coleman, he, if he can get a, a few innings out of Coleman, uh, it can buy LSU going through pitchers for one game. You know, maybe they can just use two. But um, as LSU stands right now, uh, they are like they I think they are qualified for the 10 or excuse me, 12 team SEC tournament. I don't know why they leave those other two teams out and just make it a 14, but they only have 12 teams in the SEC tournament. I think as LSU stands now, they are uh, a number 10 seed. I guess it would depends what they do uh, against AM this weekend, whether or not they move up a little bit. But um, that's, that's where we're at. Um, I still feel confident with what LSU has and what they should do this weekend that, you know, they should be in the playoffs, um, just based on what they've done, you know, the, what they call it, the, uh, the, the season, the eye test, like what they've done, they've done okay against really strong opponents. You know, they didn't do great against Vanderbilt, obviously, but you know, uh, they've, they've beaten some other ranked teams, you know, and they, they got a really tough schedule. So I think that'll show favorably for them as, as I guess they, what do they do? Uh, decisions like they have like a, a committee that decides the 64 teams and all that. Yeah. It's, it's similar to basketball where they have the automatic qualifiers, like from the tournaments and then the at-large teams. I think, I think we'll get some help because we're LSU too. Like, I think that that's, sure. okay. that's where, that's where the brand helps. That's where the box helps. That's, that's where the, the country, you know, the money, the big money, like, but I don't, I don't like that. Right. I don't want to be in the position where it's like, well, you know, or LSU will get in. I want to. I want to be like, yeah, we're LSU. Hey, we've already, get ready. We've already got. Or the, people are scared to play the us. super. Hey, I want. I want people to be like booking their tickets to Baton Rouge for June because they already know the super is going to be here. Not because the regional. The regional's pre uh, predestined. We know that the super is already here. That's what I. Right. Well, I'll, I'll take. Uh, I'll say this. Remember this season uh, or this this uh, tournament, the, the basketball tournament, UCLA was one of the play-in games. They were an 11 seed. They made it all the way to the Final Four. Uh, they did pretty darn good. So I, that's what I'm saying. I guess I'm of the opinion, uh, let's just see what happens. If we make the postseason, I have a feeling we'll, we'll do better than whatever they seed us as, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I think that about that pretty much covered all the LSU baseball for this week, as we said earlier, they have a, a game against Northwestern State tomorrow, the last midweek game of which they are uh, undefeated this year. Hallelujah. Uh, then they go on to face Texas A&M in College Station this weekend. Uh, then after that, it's the, it's the SEC tournament. I mean, that starts on the 25th, so we're, we're right up on that. Um, good luck to them as they go forward. Uh, now, LSU football did have an announcement of their own. Not in a – no one's in the transfer portal. Don't worry. Uh, we didn't get a recruit either, but – um, they did announce who gets the coveted number seven. And I will let anyone who was surprised by the pick speak first. Uh, I don't know if I was surprised. I do think that uh, I could have seen him 
that the person who got it, <laughs> who I shall remain nameless, who shall remain nameless, Derek Stingley Jr. I could have seen him um, being like, you know what? I want to be my own guy. I'm going to be 24 kind of thing. I think his grandfather wore 24 for uh, New England, the Patriots okay. when he played there. So yeah. I kind of thought maybe that would, that would be a thing. But when you really look at this roster and you look at this team, there's really no other person. He's the face of this team. Um, I'd say he's definitely more of a face than Miles Brennan. Um, you're not going to give it to a freshman or a sophomore, right? So it makes sense. Yeah, there's no other real kind of big candidates. The other people you think might be in consideration potentially in the future, like Eli, Eli. Ricks or Keishon Butte, like on offense, because yeah, like corner and wide receiver are positions where we've seen it before and they're dynamic playmakers. But Stingley was just the logical choice. And I don't blame him for seeing the allure and the history of it. Oh, yeah. And being like, I want to wear the same number as Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, Matthew, Leonard Fournette, all the other LSU greats, uh, and then just carrying that on and putting his own stamp on it, which hopefully he will do in the upcoming season. Uh, and then I guess he got it from Jacoby Stevens, which is kind of a middle of the pack seven, to be <laughs> he's, honest. He's not the best seven. Really. He just wore the number that he, or the round he was going to get picked in, but yeah, Dang, uh, that's wow. okay. I got something for, for round seven and later, later. Uh, but don't worry. I mean, you know what, Jacoby, he wasn't the best. He wasn't the worst either. Uh, there was a man who never even comp- completed wearing seven. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we don't have to go there. Uh, but I actually, I, I I respect that. For all those who don't know, was it is Jonathan Giles? Yep. Yeah. yeah. He uh, he he got seven, and then had like a pretty good, I think, first couple games. It was like, oh wow, he's cool. He's pretty good. He's wide receiver, and then uh, had some bad games, and then just was like, you know what? I'm not good enough to wear this number. Or I think actually the coaches came to him and said, why don't you change numbers that might clear up your mind, get your mind off it, something like that. But regardless, I think he did the honorable thing and said, I think he probably should have been switched from seven to 18 because he was so honorable for that. Sure. Sure. I mean, it is commendable to to step aside for number seven. And I I think, you know, Daniel said what I was going to say is he's not looking at his like, do I want 24 or seven? Do I want to make my own? No, look at the pass. How do you say no to that? So we're the same number as the honey badger. Yeah. Or PP seven. Um, even especially if, especially when like, cause I think the, I think coach O like came to him. I don't think he asked for it. So oh, that's kind of good. Or kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. uh, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, after this season, obviously Derek Stingley's probably going to wear it the whole season, right? I don't think he's going to have to give it up halfway through. Uh, but next season, because then it would be down to uh, Boutte or Ricks, and it's like, oh, then who do you give it to? That should be fun to watch. I mean, that's... Well, that's something fun. that I, I think I said it to you, Daniel. I was like, will, will we ever see... What about what about like a Max? Um, a Max? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if we've ever seen... Or would we ever see a seven quarterback? I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think 18 makes more sense for a quarterback, like kind of that, like, like a Matt lo- mock. Yeah. Locker room leader instead of the flashy playmaker. Um, I, I think, I think Burrow could have worn seven. I don't think anybody would have any questions if, about if that. got him as a freshman and he started at like a sophomore. I think he could have got uh, a seven as a junior or senior. I mean, it would take somebody like Trevor Lawrence coming in here to take seven. Like he would have to be. Or that, John, Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Somebody like that right out of the gates and the, you know, that the fans are behind already anyway. Um, 
kind of one interesting development is like basically nobody has worn nine since Burrow. Like Marcel Brooks was nine, but then he transferred, transferred. It, and we have no number nine on the roster right now. So it's almost like they're kind of unofficially like kind of setting it aside, um, which is, I guess, pretty impressive in respect to Burrow. I mean, I think, I think everyone knows that they're going to retire that number, right? I think they have to. If, I mean, if Billy, no one's wearing 20. Probably so, yeah. I mean, a Heisman winner plus one of our only three we national have, champions. We don't have a 20, right? I, I know it's on the on the board. Yeah, there's no yeah, there's person no, there wearing 20. Okay, yeah. So nobody's wearing 20. Um, I think, I, I think yeah. that... Yeah, more of a question of when than if. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, another little bit of football news, actually, mm-hmm. former Tiger football news. Uh, it, it appears that... TJ Finley has as whittled down to his most likely schools where he might land as the University of Texas, Penn State, and Auburn. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like his best bet might be UT with uh, Sarkissian taking over there and him needing, like, that guy could be the next Finch Young, you know, uh, at Texas. Uh, Penn State also, maybe more so. I don't really know their, their quarterback situation. I know if he went to Auburn, though, he'd have to wait behind yeah. Bo Nix. Uh, what's he got? Like at least one more year. Um, I, I don't know if that would, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I guess it's because of the portal rules, you know, they, they can't bar uh, him from transferring to like a, a, a division opponent. So, I mean, they, they can't block that anymore, but I don't know if he'd want to play at Auburn. I imagine, I, I think for him, he'd, you know, a better fit would be UT or PSU. What say you guys? Uh, TJ Finley actually today said he thought he could beat out Bo Nix for the Auburn job, which is Ooh. a pretty bold claim to make saying that you could beat out a three-year SEC starter, even if he's not exactly like dominant. But uh, I think, yeah, Penn State probably makes the most sense to me because they don't have like a clear starter. I think uh, their guy like graduated last year, maybe. Um, and then like, it's, it's a pretty big change of scenery for TJ, which, I think it might be a good thing to kind of get out unless he like wants to battle against LSU. Uh, but moving up, up there where people maybe not know exactly his talents could be a good move, but this is unexpected from what we talked about last week. We were saying he could like stay in state at a smaller school, but he's basically shooting for the blue bloods, which I guess more power to him. Yeah. You know, I listened to an interview with him earlier that uh, after we, after we brought or you know, recorded last week, and he basically said, like what you just said, Daniel. He said, "I want to, I want to play the best. I want to, I want to shoot for the blue blood." So, um, I, yeah, I guess you know it is a little bit surprising. I, I would have, of course, you never know because he. I think he said, you know, those are my top, those are my top choices, or whatever. But I don't know if the, the schools don't release their top choices, right? So I don't know if he's, you know, who's he, who has he talked to? We don't know. Um, I do think out of the three choices that, that, you know, you, you said, I think that I don't, I don't think the Penn state one makes sense for, for him. I think he's, I think if he, if he goes maybe now, again, we don't know what he, what he's been saying. We don't know what Penn state's telling him or, or vice versa, what he's telling Penn state from an outside looking in and you're, and kind of the same thing with you, Scott, I don't know too much about the Penn state quarterback situation, but I think that going from being a, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in Louisiana being recruited, going to LSU, going all the way up to Penn state. I almost think that's like completely starting over. Whereas I think that either going to Auburn or Texas, um, it's, it's almost like, you know, year point, year, year 1.5. Right. Whereas I think, uh, 
going to Penn State is like year zero. So I I agree. I I, th- I like I like both of those spots to be honest. I think that it and I, I will say like like kind of like what I said last week. Um, I think Auburn makes sense if he's willing to sit, and it's kind of like what I said. I thought he could go to a a, a good program, a, a, a higher up program, and sit and develop, and he could be a really good quarterback. I think he can do that at either of those. I don't I, I don't think he would beat Bo Nix. Um, he seemed, he says he, he says he could, maybe he could, I don't think he could. Um, I think he can't, I think he can play at a, at a top tier program though. I think he, I think he's a talented guy. I think he's got a huge arm. I, I would love to see what he could do with Sark. I think that'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he fits more. I think I said this last week too. I think he fits more with the big 12, just relying on that big arm hurling. And I think that Sark and his, uh, the, the, he has a very, very uh, simple way of teaching his, you know, his offense, his, his air raid type uh, throwing offense to where it's really quick reads, a lot of pre-snap reads, and you kind of know where the ball's going to go. It's similar to what it's, it's basically exactly what we ran with Burrow and, and him and, and all the, you know, the guys in 19. Um, I think that fits really well with, with a guy like TJ. He's got a big arm who can, you can throw it real quick and throw it far in the, in a split second. You know what I mean? And, and that makes it, and, and something we saw TJ had a little bit of trouble with when he played for LSU is he would kind of sit in the pocket. He wasn't as, he wasn't as quick deciding as what, as what Max was. And you know, that's that, I think that's probably a product of Max's dad was an NFL quarterback. He's been training on this since he was yeah. probably five years old. Um, that doesn't just come to you natural, but going into a system like Sarkeesian's where, the decisions are kind of almost already made for you pre-snap. I think that would, I think that would free him up to really show off what he can do. Um, so I think either of those are good, are good situations for him. Uh, but I do not think he could beat Bo Nix. And uh, yeah. So one more thing that he, I'm sure he's considered, but in terms of like the stage going to Texas is probably honestly a step up from LSU in some sense, that, uh, probably nationally. Yeah. Because well, like, I mean, these are LSU and Texas are pretty much known as having two of the most kind of crazed and iconic programs. Yeah. And fan bases themselves. And they want production immediately. And LSU, they weren't happy with TJ and he's gone. So could he fall into a same situation on an even bigger scale, maybe, or he's kind of like forced to, he's got all these people telling him, like, you got to play and you got to perform. And like the spotlight's on him. Could he succeed? I would hope so. But it was a, a brief moment at LSU and I, I would be scared to have a repeat of that situation. You, at and Texas. you don't want to miss twice. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that he's got to make, it might be a little bit softer landing. I mean, Penn state and Auburn have huge fan bases, but it might be a little bit of a better situation in terms of that regard. There's no such thing as the Penn state network. There's no yeah. such thing as the Auburn tiger network. There is a longhorn network. There sure I mean, it's just, I think that's just the way it is. But and I agree with you, Daniel. Um, but that's why I'm I I advocate I, I think he needs to sit. I think he needs to go into wherever he's gonna go. And I think it's great for him to say, I think I could beat Bo Nix, I want to compete. But I if I was him and I if I or if I was advising him, I would say, TJ, you're really talented, but make sure when you go to whatever your next spot is, have patience and and be in it for the long run because you have the talent. I think he I think we all agree he has the talent, but it's just a lot to ask. Not every, 
I think it's it's almost it's it's almost bad for us to the culture right now or the the zeitgeist of college football is every freshman is uh, Trevor Lawrence. Every freshman needs to start, and if he doesn't start, he's a failure. But that's not that's the exception, not the rule. And I and I think that you know I think that a guy like T.J. Finley would benefit from from taking a year or taking a year, two years to to sit and learn. And he then would. Guess what? Then you can then maybe you'll maybe you can be uh, Mac Jones who goes on and, and is now a you know, first round quarterback making millions of dollars. And everybody thought he was just the guy holding the cl- He would always be the guy holding the clipboard. Yeah. Uh, there is that route. I mean, there's also this, whatever small chance it might be, but like Texas is starting over, you know, Sam Erlinger's gone. So uh, I think that's, if he won that great. Uh, I mean, it depends if the guy that won it was the same year as him or, you know, if he was like, a true senior or something. Then I think, yeah, you study behind him for a year and now, you know, the offense you can take over next year, presumably, but uh, we shall see. But Daniel, you said something about a, a seventh round draft pick or something like that. Uh, I don't know. It looks like seventh round is, is not that bad anymore. Cause Kerry Vincent signed with the Broncos and he had a really, really nice deal for, for being a seventh rounder. He got four years uh, 3.58 million. Now he, he had a signing bonus of 103, but it's like he has some sort of escalation clause where every year he gets paid, his minimum climbs up. Obviously, I guess it's performance based from year to year. He'll have to, you know, wow them on defense. But I, you know, assuming he does that, it's like he's making pretty good money just as, yeah. a, as a guy that made, you know, just barely got drafted. Um, so there's there's still an opportunity to make money, even if you just stay on the team. Like he might not be. Uh, let's say Jamal Adams or or uh, Tyran Matthew, you know, like just obviously the 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 guy that they're going to shell out money for to keep on the team. But you can make a decent living. I mean, sixty six hundred thousand dollars starting out. Uh, then it's like another hundred and fifty every year from that on up. So that's not bad. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. No, no thoughts, Daniel. You're going to lose. Oh, that. I, I didn't have too much other than <laughs> that. Really, the only guaranteed money is the the signing bonus, one hundred three thousand. Right. Uh, a lot of times, what happens is these like late round picks. They'll set the the thing up, and then they go one or two seasons, and they get cut or put on the practice squad, and then you lose kind of your deferred um, payments, which is kind of why they just structure it that way. I think you got to prove yourself before you get the the money, especially. So I hope I hope he gets it all. And whether he finds out with the Broncos or another team, but yet at least to lock in for four years as a seventh round pick, you can't really blame that. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats to him. Uh, but I don't know. I think that was all the news we had. Do so you guys have anything else you wanted to, or we, we rolling on out of here. Good to go. That's about it for this week. Uh, keep your eye on LSU baseball. Hope they make the playoffs. Uh, win two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully they, they pull out another win and go undefeated on the season for these midweek games. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to this uh, series this weekend in College Station. Uh, last thing I wanted to throw out there was the uh, yeah, the SEC Track and Field Championships, and uh, just this past week, and uh, wanted to give a shout out to Terrence Laird, who was actually awarded the Commissioner's Trophy that goes out to the individual that scores the most points, uh, I guess you know for men or women. Uh, and he did so like he won each of his individual races. He won the individual 100 and 200 meter races. Uh, but it was also his uh, anchoring the 4x100 relay and getting them to gold. 
that he just had so many more points than anyone else. So congrats to him. I know there's actually video of them winning this breaker. They're they like way behind. And then they give it to Laird, and it was just as 10 yards in a cloud of dust, as they say. Mm-hmm. Nobody he, – he came from behind, and nobody was catching him. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a good watch. Uh, but I think that'll about do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Like we said, tune in to LSU Baseball this week. It could determine the rest of the season and how much that we might have one. Uh, we'll cover any more uh, football or any other news that comes out of uh, Baton Rouge and beyond. So uh, until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tunes.